Hi, I'm Genevieve Azalin, and I am the co-founder of People Connect, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp, and I'm here to help you with your journey as an app developer, indie app developer, entrepreneur, business owner, whatever you're trying to do in life, and you may be working and just doing this for fun. My job is to help help you go through this journey and see what we can learn along the way. And so I do get a lot of very interesting and different guests. And uh, in my last episode, I Uh, uncovered the importance of trying to think of other ways other than the app store to make money. And one of them is to become a consultant. And to do that, we need to brand ourselves. We need to brand ourselves online and make maximum use of all the tools out there and all the social media platforms. So I uh, went and specifically asked for this next guest because she is an expert in social media and social media strategy. Her name is Kira Stein, and she is the founder of dogeardsocial.com and also under her own brand name, kirastein.com. Kira, it's a warm welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. So in a couple of minutes, maybe you can just tell us so far uh, where you're at. I know that you just started a consultancy, but you're coming out of a, a full-time job that was dedicated to social media strategy. Maybe you can just summarize where, where you're at. Sure. Um, so earlier this year, kind of end of last year, um, I just really got the urge to start blogging. Um, I've been do- I had been doing social media for Care, um, an international nonprofit, for at that point about three and a half, four years, um, and I just felt like I was learning so much every day from you know just being in all the social media platforms. So I started a blog called Dogyard Social, um, named after my own dog Niles, and. Um, I just loved it, and it kind of grew from there. Um, and I started getting, you know, requests to do some work on the side, and I thought, you know, I could really make it on my own. Um, so, at the end, our, or the middle of August, I, you know, had a couple of clients. Um, things were a little bit up in the air, but I decided to make the leap. And now um, I'm running dogeardsocial.com as both a blog and. Uh, my small consulting business. So, so we're talking about August just gone, and that's when you started your company and uh, you started out, uh, out on your own. Mm-hmm. Well, well, congratulations. First of all, I mean, it, it, we've got a lot of people listening who have yet to make that decision. And so I'd like to know from you how it felt to take the leap and go out on your own, because it is such an important step and I think we can learn from your experience on, on how you actually managed to con- convince everybody around you that it was the right thing to do. And, and just talk us through that experience of quitting your job and going out on your own. Yeah, I mean, it was both incredibly terrifying and incredibly liberating. I mean, in terms of jobs at CARE, it was pretty much as, as good as it gets. I had creative freedom. I had independence. You know, no one was you know, clocking me in and clocking me out. Um, people trusted me. I, w- I had a great manager. 
um, great bosses, wonderful coworkers. And at the end of the day, I still felt that urge to be on my own. Um, and I thought, you know, if this is not where I want to be, um, because it, it doesn't get any better than this, then, you know, I just, I have to try this because if I don't, I'm probably going to regret it for the rest of my life. I know that sounds really, um, dramatic, but it, it got to the point and, you know, it wasn't just a split second decision. I'd been mulling it over for months, um, you know, working 90 hours a week, you know, doing this job and, you know, branding myself plus working with a couple of clients. Um, so it was, it, the decision was a long time coming. Um, but actually cutting that cord, it was really scary. I loved working at care. I loved my job. I loved my coworkers. I loved the organization, but, um, it was just kind of something I, I felt inside in a way that said, you know, you need to try this on your own. Um, you know, I knew that there's a possibility I could love it and it could, you know, grow into something wonderful or I could hate it. But what comforted me at the end of the day is knowing that, you know, in 10 or 20 years, whether it worked out or it didn't, that I would never look back and say, what would have happened? Could I have made it work? And I think that's what really drove my decision. So the Appster tribe listening to this right now, those listeners uh, could be feeling the same thoughts you had and uh, Literally, it's okay to, you know, have no other reason other than this this attraction of becoming an entrepreneur and working for yourself, uh, solopreneur. And even though, like you explained, it, there was not a, a compelling reason from, you know, not liking your job, but actually uh, the attraction of doing something on your own and having a purpose-filled life. And so so you ended up doing your, your thing. You, you already had a, a couple of clients and um, how's it been going then over the last few months? It's been wonderful, but it's been challenging. Um, you know, I love waking up in the morning and setting my own schedule. Um, but it's also, there's a lot of different moving pieces and figuring out how to balance them. It's been really exhilarating, but challenging, you know, trying to figure out how to price services, um, you know, thinking something is going to take me four hours and pricing it accordingly. And then it, you know, takes me 10 or 12 um, and then, you know, I've been very fortunate that I've actually been very busy with client work. So I guess one of my biggest challenges is, um, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to be off on my own was to have time to brand myself and, and work on my blog and kind of grow that in addition to my clients and trying to find the time to do both. Um, it was definitely a challenge I, I didn't expect. I think part of me thought I'd be sitting here twiddling my thumbs for the first few months and it's been a blessing that it hasn't been that way, but um, it's also been, I've been trying to kind of find my flow and feel like I've been flailing a little bit, um, just trying to figure out, you know, my routine and my day. Um, but it's, it's definitely been a fun challenge and a good problem to have. Well, you've just hit on one of the subjects there during that chat is uh, pricing up potential job opportunities. And, you know, as a consultant, we often get these opportunities come through and we don't know how genuine uh, the opportunity is. And we do actually end up spending a bit of time quoting for it. Uh, I've recently learned that it's important to uh, only spend maybe about 15 minutes on each quotation. This is for building apps and uh, and actually then only agreeing to uh, the prospect to send that to them if they agree to uh, have a chat about it over Skype and 
uh, that started to work out really well for me because the the you know I used to spend a lot of time quoting up doing all the the, the work that you know is basically getting the, the the quotation to a good a good um, standing and then sending that out and never hearing from the prospect again. So uh, do you have any advice for us on on I guess what you've learned so far in terms of qu- pricing up a potential job? Sure. Um, and that's, you know, that's great your experience. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I would say the first and foremost, your instincts are, are what's most important um, in terms of how serious someone is um, and how you think it might turn out. Um, so far, I, I found that my instincts have been right on with people who they contacted me initially and, you know, by the language in their initial email or our initial conversation, I've kind of been able to tell this person is is still trying to figure out if they want to spend the money on these services versus the people who seemed really gung-ho and excited and I knew there was potential there. Um, you know, follow your instincts. It's the best tool that you have. So the person I'm appealing to right now that's uh, listening to this is someone who is struggling a little bit to make money on the app store. They've uh, Maybe they've left their jobs already or uh, are really focusing on this as an opportunity for them. And they thought they could make it through selling apps. And they realized then that that's not going to be the case. But we have then developed these skills and unique talents that mean we can sell our talents to other people in the form of uh, I do some coaching or consulting. And so I think then we need to learn from you how important it is and how we start to develop our own personal brand online uh, and what what we specifically need to do to really help sell ourselves yeah definitely and um you know where you're going with this i'm pretty sure is social media and you know that's you know that's definitely key um yeah well it's certainly definitely not you know doing i did this four or five years ago where you just do a leaflet drop to the local area saying hey i'm a, <laughs> I, I like to do uh, i like to build squeeze pages on websites and then do a leaflet drop which was completely a waste of time <laughs> so yeah social media new media anything that's uh, online branding i think that the best thing about social media um is you know a the volume i think i read somewhere recently you know, 25% of the entire world is on social media. But it's not like you're just, you just push something out and you're talking to any random person. Um, they're targeting options and the way that you can target people by what they're interested in, where they live, what they do for a living, their age, you know, anything. Um, that's, that's the huge advantage there. And you have access to, you know, a fourth of the world, but you can slice and dice them in any way that you want to. Um, so my the first thing that I tell my clients or, or anyone that's interested in getting into social media is before you do anything, just listen. Um, explore these communities, you know, start a small presence and just listen to what people are saying. Try to find people who are like you. Try to find people who um, you think would be the ideal client who would benefit the most from your service. And what you'll find is that there are these amazing groups and pockets of people um, all over different social channels and all over the web and figuring out who they are, what makes them tick, what they're talking about, um, spending the time to do that and really understanding them. And then when you're ready to jump into the conversation and make these, you know, real relationships um, on these channels, you're going to be so prepared to do so and you're going to have a leg up on the, com- on the competition. 
Yeah, because we actually, I, I guess, come across each other via social media as well. And uh, I, I made a very conscious decision, uh, maybe uh, almost just over a year ago, to have real relationships on on um, Twitter, mainly Twitter, I guess. Um, before that, I was using it as a way of pushing out information. And most people nowadays use, I think, Twitter as a way of just pushing out their message. And uh, it's it's almost like being next to a incredibly busy road, like um, a, mo a motorway or a highway, whatever you would call it, and just putting up a sign and, hey, here I am, and not having any interaction. Uh, and you only get interactions when you stop and pull over to a, a restroom and, and, or a a bar and just like have start having a chat with some real people and, and that's what i started using twitter how how do you suggest we use twitter to brand ourselves let's pick up that so that platform and, and focus on that one i think um it's definitely a, a mix between the two um you need it's a promotional platform and you need to push out your um the information that you have but like you said it's a busy highway um you know i follow somewhere like eleven thousand people and every time you know, even in less than five seconds, I'll have 200 new tweets, you know, so seeing, getting someone's attention with just a tweet on, on Twitter is hard to do. Um, you have to build those relationships and have those people that know you and who are looking for you and who recognize you. And that's where you get the real, um, that's where you get the real publicity. It's, um, you know, you were talking about leaflets before and, and just using it as a way to push out information without any sort of relationships or relationship building strategy. You know, you're talking about dropping leaflets at, at the doors of, you know, local businesses. Doing that on Twitter would be like, you know, standing on top of the Empire State Building and dropping a leaflet from there and just hoping the right person finds it. Um, it's just never going to happen. You're just kind of shouting into the wind. So you have to make sure um, when you push out information, um, you're doing it at the same time with people that you're building relationships with. And actually doing it from, I guess, a non-selfish point of view where you're trying to be helpful rather than selling. Uh, so many times uh, I, I can challenge anybody now to think about a tweet that they've received or read that is blatantly trying to sell something. And uh, obviously it doesn't work because uh, it, uh, it's just a random kind of sales tweet. But if it's a tweet from someone I have a relationship with and they're saying, hey, I recommend using this, which is what happened to me yesterday. Somebody tweeted about um, a service called Fancy Hands. And I'm going to mention that. And if you want, you can get a link to it on my show notes, uh, theappguy.co. Uh, it uh, it was a recommended uh, tweet from someone I trust. And uh, I ended up um, subscribing to the service. So it, it just shows that you need to have these relationships first before you even attempt to try and sell. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I believe um, very strongly that you need to use social media to provide value. And when you provide value, people trust you. Um, you know, if you go onto social media and just sit there and tell people you're selling your services, it's not going to do anything. Um, and I, I know that's contrary to what people like to believe. Um, they like to kind of come in and think, okay, social media is awesome. People are making money off of it. I'm going to go on there and I'm going to send out a couple tweets um, asking people to buy my product or buy my service or subscribe to my services and um, nothing's going to happen. You have to prove yourself to your audience. You have to prove that you are a valuable source of information that's going to enhance their life. 
when you go on social media and connect with an audience, it's never about you. It's always about them. Um, and you have to prove to them that um, you can provide content, whether it's yours or not, um, that is going to add something to what they're trying to do professionally or personally. So, so we're talking about, I guess the, the word is content management or sorry, content marketing. And uh, what you're saying then is that it's best to be knowledgeable, to add value, to put value, valuable information out there. And then ultimately that will attract the community that, that end up trusting you, uh, which then c- can help you monetize your services. Absolutely. Yes. Wonderful. This is great. So now we talked about Twitter and any, uh, you're the social media expert. So maybe you could decide what next platform we should talk about to uh, help anyone who's trying to develop their own personal brand. Um, after Twitter, let's, let's go with Facebook. Never heard of it. What's that one? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's hard to believe yeah. uh, I'm, I'm using time hop, the app time hop, and uh, I'm getting at least time hops from my uh, Facebook now of maybe nine years ago. And I'm wow. like thinking, uh, man, I was on Facebook pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's kind of, it's kind of amazing when you think about um, how far it's come. I still remember when I got accepted into college um, back in 2004, um, I was waiting for my college email to show up in the mail. It, it, would, it came in a letter um, from the University of Wisconsin, and I just wanted it so that I could join Facebook. And I was kind of checking the mail every day, and it was just kind of funny to think about that. And, you know, I had no idea that I was going to make something like that into my career. It was just something I wanted to do to see who was living in my dorm. Um, what year was that, Kira? Um, that was... 2004, 2005. So 2004, I, think I, was- I just want anyone listening right now to just take a nostalgic look back to think about 2004. We often forget where we've come from. 2004 was before the iPhone, before any smartphones, and before Instagram, WhatsApp, all these wonderful things that are totally part of our lives now. And and there was no, I think uh, Facebook early on was rolling out some mobile text updates for your status updates. Uh, which you would get on your feature phone. And so I just thought it'd be a worthwhile exercise right now for the people listening to to just nostalgically have a think back to how far we've really come in the space of 10 years. Yeah, it's amazing. I think it was that year, either 2004 or 2005, when I received my first text message um, on my non-smartphone, of course, and I didn't know what it was. I just suddenly see a text message from some guy I kind of knew and I was like, why is there text on my phone? You know, is this a voicemail? Are they transcribing a voicemail? Where did this come from? Can I respond to it? How do I respond to it? And it's just kind of funny to think, you know, in many ways it doesn't really feel that long ago. And now, you know, people use texting more than they call people. It's just kind of crazy to think about how quick things change and, and how fast we actually get used to it and come to rely on it. Uh, absolutely. And so uh, I'm actually really interested in Facebook because I, I have to be frank with you. I don't use it for business. I, I find uh, I don't know how to because uh, I've been using it so long in my personal life that uh, it's become, you know, like the closest friends and family for me. So 
uh, anyone in my Twitter network who is almost an acquaintance or a business colleague or someone in my network, I don't know what to do with them in on Facebook because I don't really want to send them pictures of my kids or, you know, like my, my um, the restaurant I checked into on Foursquare and stuff like that. I, uh, have you got any guidance on how we per- use incorporate um, Facebook into our personal brands, but without it um, doing the re- reverse effect of just really alienating our uh, f- friends? Absolutely. Um, I am with you 100%. You know, I use Twitter almost exclusively professionally, but I've had my Facebook account since college. Um, and I use that to talk to my friends, to keep up with my friends. Um, I use that to, you know, schedule things with my friends. Um, and I did not want to sacrifice that. Um, you know, I knew that if I just started talking all business all the time, people are going to be like, what are you doing? Yesterday you posted a picture of your dog. Um, so I actually started a Facebook brand page for dog-eared social. Um, and of course I asked my friends to like it, to get me off the ground. Um, and I'll be honest, that was actually earlier this week. It was something I'd been wanting to do for a long time and just hadn't had the time to do it. Um, but I use the brand page and that's kind of what I've been pushing out, um, over Twitter and, you know, at some point I'll probably send some Facebook, some targeted Facebook advertisements to other people in the social media spaces. Um, and that way it's kept completely separately from my personal account. I can keep using that, you know, as a way to, to talk to my friends and my family. Um, while my, you know, dog-eared social business page is a way to talk about social media um, in a lot of the same ways that I talk about it on Twitter. Yeah, we have to be very careful. I mean, I, I love this app called Time Hop on my iPhone. And uh, it's now starting to pick up the... Um, automated uh, Facebook fan page. I think I set up a Facebook fan page several years ago uh, and pushed out a load of content and now it's picking up those and I'm, I'm thinking that's not what I wanted uh, to be reminded of. <laughs> so it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's tapping into the business page and um, I don't know how to stop that. But anyway, so it's, yeah, useful to uh, think about then uh, if I'm listening to this, I, I want to be setting up a brand page for Facebook and doing it separately to my own personal account. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, any, any, uh, in maybe one or two minutes, are we able to cover anything on Facebook that, um, I guess when you set up a page, uh, it does not, uh, so someone will like it and they don't necessarily see all your updates, uh, that you send to them. They'll maybe only get what the, the odd one or two, depending on how popular those updates are. Is that right? Yes. Um, that's been a, a known problem across the business that, um, we call it organic reach and it's been dropping. Um, and there's, you know, there's tactics you can use. No one's come up with a hard and fast solution for it. Um, you know, I'm going to sound like, you know, a broken record here, but the, you know, the best thing to do is to send out good content that people want to read and it's kind of a spiral effect. So if you reach a couple people and they're excited about what you've pushed out and they like it and they share it and they comment on it, Facebook will reward you for that. Um, of course, you know, that doesn't always work. Not always the right people see it. They don't always, they're not always online at the right time. Um, another tactic you can use is to, you know, tag other pages in your posts. So if you're, you know, sending out a, um, an article that you think people, your fans would like to read, um, and it's by a blog, you know, tag that blog's Facebook page in that post. And then, it has the potential to reach those fans as well in their newsfeed. 
um, in addition to yours. And plus, it's just kind of a nice, um, it's a nice gesture. And that's, you know, goes towards your relationship building strategy as well. Yeah, let's talk specifically then about tagging. And uh, I, uh, and I guess, do you do anything with Instagram? Um, I'm starting to use Instagram. I still haven't quite figured out how to make it work for my business. Um, I think that depending on your business, Instagram can be your best friend. Um, for me, I just, you know, I'm kind of sitting on my computer all day, so I don't really have that many interesting photos to share. <laughs> but yeah. I think that there's, um, there's definitely a value in it, um, especially with B2C businesses. So, um, you know, restaurants, of course, people love to Instagram pictures of food. Um, you know, people who are doing something kind of hands-on, you know, people who are traveling for a living, um, you know, any, any place where you're going to have a lot of images that you come across, you know, natively in your work. Um, I do think that there's a lot of value to Instagram and I think that there are ways that I could be utilizing it that I'm not, but, um, it's kind of on my to-do list is to explore how someone like me who sits at my desk all day, um, could use Instagram to kind of grow my, my personal business and my personal presence yeah the, the, um, right now I was trying to what I was trying to do is uh, work out whether I need to start tagging because I uh, oh the, I'm sorry uh, yes, about that. <laughs> I know I was just um, in terms of um, it, well I guess Instagram and others uh, I, I realize that the, the mistake that I'm making when I publish uh, an, a picture of the shows I normally uh, put the, the image of the guest and then um, the show notes uh, or like maybe a very interesting quote from the episode. And then um, I use that image and post it onto Twitter and post it onto um, Pinterest and uh, post it onto Google Plus. And then with Instagram, uh, I realized that the mistake I've been doing is I haven't been uh, doing the hashtags or tagging uh, of the, f- the photos. And I, uh, I just wondered if uh, it, that's w- worth it. I would say definitely yes. Um, in terms of hashtags and tagging, I found that Instagram works very similarly to Twitter. Um, so it's, you know, kind of the messages are short. They're not, you know, these polished kind of storybook paragraphs similar to what you might write occasionally on Facebook. Um, but hashtags and tagging people is definitely a way to be found on Instagram. And and so just on the tagging thing, and. Uh, Feel free to like, if we're going a bit, we're going a little bit specific and it's actually um, from a selfish point of view, because I, I want to know how, if I'm doing the right thing with promoting this show. And uh, it, I don't know where the the popular uh, hashtags are. And uh, it would be nice if there was some kind of tool that would sort of say to me, hey, this is a, a relevant hashtag for you. Here's the most popular, you know, like a Google keyword tool that we could get the most popular search keywords for. Uh, I think there needs to be something like that for the most popular uh, hashtags and then we could just simply put a very popular one on and we we know we're going to get some good uh, juice for uh, traffic traffic from that uh, hashtag yeah absolutely um i know that there are tools for that um for twitter specifically i i'll be honest i haven't explored them to the extent that i found if instagram is on them but i would be i'd be willing to bet that um a lot of these hashtag tools and i think I can't think of any other names offhand, but I have them written down somewhere. Which is the one um, for Twitter? Um, 
if you can't remember it, don't worry. We'll, we'll I'll, I'll um, maybe follow up with um, a link in the show notes to the tool that yeah. you mentioned there uh, for Twitter. And uh, I just think that's it's actually quite useful because what I've been doing for the podcast is that I've been using Google Keyword uh, Tool to find out the most popular keywords, and then I've been putting putting those in the uh, sh- the titles of the episodes, and then just assuming that uh, the search traffic in uh, some of the other Uh, social media sites and iTunes is going to be representative of what is being searched for on Google. It's a bit of a leap, but it's the, it's because I'm basically using a, a a tool that, you know, that Google's providing, but trying to use it for other, uh, assuming other uh, um, searches. And so I think I'm doing that. I'd need to, I probably need to do some more research on tools. So there's, um, there are a couple tools, and these aren't specifically hashtag tools, called Topsy, T-O-P-S-Y, and Social Mention. Um, and those, there are actually tools that are that just focus on hashtags. And those are the ones that um, I have written down, but I haven't explored much. But Topsy and Social Mention, um, you can type in a keyword, you can type in a hashtag, um, and you can say if you want to search on Twitter, Facebook, blogs, forums, all of the above. Um, and it'll show you how popular they are and how many people are using them. It'll show you um, if there are influencers who are using them, you know, the top, the people who are using them the most. Um, occasionally, depending on the popularity of the hashtag, it will show you related hashtags. I'm not sure if it does that for Instagram. Um, I haven't checked, but um, there are a lot of tools like that. Another one is TalkWalker, um, and that'll do that too. I found that one to be... Um, that one seems to be a little bit more advanced in showing you who specifically is using those hashtags. And that's Talk Walker, did you say? Yes. Okay, T-A-L-K, Talk Walker. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was I'm... also um, a tool, and it's called Tweet Charts, um, and it's, I think that HubSpot creates it. Um, I don't, I used to use it all the time. I have not been able to get it to work on my Mac. I'm not sure if that's me or if the tool um, isn't working anymore, but I loved that one because you could type in a hashtag um, or a keyword and it would show you all of the related keywords, all of the related hashtags, all of the people using it. It would show you the top content related to those hashtags. Um, But Topsy and and TalkWalker especially and Social Mention to an extent do that as well. Yeah, so I'm just bringing it back to the audience and just to remind people listening that it's very vital that we we follow these uh, principles because, for example, if you post on Twitter and you include a hashtag, that means anyone searching for that hashtag or have that saved in their uh, regular searches will then see that come through and you obviously reach then a, a broader audience uh, of people that are interested in that particular uh, hashtag or keyword. And it's just a way of, I guess, getting more exposure and potential engagement Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, another trick that you can use is if you're just getting started out and you don't have a ton of traffic at first, is to use hashtags that are relevant but aren't the most popular. Because if you're using the most popular hashtag and the most popular keyword, you're going to have a lot of competition. But if you use, you know, the third most popular hashtag or a keyword, um, they call them long tail keywords. So keywords that, you know, are more like phrases. Um, that people are still searching for. So you're going to get that traffic, um, but you're not going to have as much competition. So you could actually potentially see more um, results from using less popular hashtags and keywords 
um, because you're not competing for those top places with um, people and, and websites who are, um, you know, co- who are getting a ton of traffic all the time. Well, this is great content, Kira. So uh, I realize that we're uh, getting towards the end of the episode and uh, I really appreciate you being so open and sharing a lot of these tools uh, that you, you end up using in your business. So uh, uh, we can't leave without asking you uh, if you use apps at all, um, if you have a smartphone and you use apps. And if you do, then maybe you could just give us um, one app that you would recommend that may, we may not have heard of before. I do use um, apps on my phone, um, on my desktop, on my iPad. Um, I'm trying to think of one that you may not have heard of. Feedly. Does, does everyone know what Feedly is? Is you that the Facebook one? Else? Uh, no, it's, um, it's a newsreader. Um, All right. Okay. Feedly. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a great one. I, I love Feedly. Um, it's a way you can kind of go in there. It's um, free to set up. There are premium versions. Um, the premium versions start really cheap at like $5 per month. Um, and you can put in the URLs of all of your blogs and news sites and anything that you read online and organize them into categories. And then you just have this feed of all the new articles from these places. So you can read, um, you can read it as everything that you have that you read. Um, I have different categories. Like I have news sites if I just want to see what's going on in the world, you know, or I have like CNN and New York Times on there. Um, I have a social media section that's just the blogs dedicated to social media. I have a search marketing section, um, an advertising section. You know, if I just kind of want to see what's going on in the advertising world, um, you know, and um, I love that. It's I feel like I'm so much more on top of things going on in my industry, and I'm sure it's true in the app world too. But in social media, things are changing so quickly, and you have to read every single to, every single day to stay on top of things. Um, and Feedly has really helped me do that in a way that I wasn't able to do before. So, um, Well, there's the first there's bit of homework for the audience is to go into yes. the, the appguy.co, download Feedly and then go to the appguy.co and, and uh, dogeardsocial.com and uh, put those two feeds into Feedly and, uh, Absolutely. and get our content into uh, your phone through Feedly. Absolutely. Um, it syncs, you know, it, you can get it to your, on your desktop just, you know, by typing in feedly.com. You can get it on your phone. Um, you can share on social media directly from the app, um, which is huge for kind of, you know, pushing out all that content. It's not, it takes away that extra step of remembering what you read and then sent and then sharing it later. Um, it helps so you become I, the authority I, in the space, I guess. That's And that's the important thing uh, that we're learning from all this is that we need to build the authority in the space. And uh, that, that potentially gathers all the uh, the information that we need, the articles, and then we can push that out to uh, to show that we, we are a credible authority in whatever we've chosen to become an authority on. Absolutely. Oh, this is great. So how best can people reach out and connect with you? Um, you can reach me on my website, dogearsocial.com, or on Twitter, at Kira Stein. Um, and I am um, only recently on Facebook, so um, you can get me there too. Um, that's just facebook.com slash dogearsocial. Great. And links to that will be in the show notes. And I just want to challenge everybody right now. You can hear Kira give out uh, kirastein.com. I have paulkemp.co as well for another website. If you haven't got your own domain name, go and get it now because um, we've got all these new domain names. We've got .co's, .tv's, you know, um, a lot of different things. And you could just pick up your own name pretty easy now. 
So yes, definitely. Uh, and I'm almost thinking I might have to get um, uh, my kids' names. I've got two twin boys. Uh, might have to get their register their names early so that when they're 18, I could, <laughs> when they're 18, I could give them that as a. Uh, a prize uh, not a, a birthday gift you know here's, here's your domain names that I've been keeping for the last uh, 14 years <laughs> <laughs> it's smart it's, uh, it sounds funny but it's actually pretty smart yeah Kira it's been wonderful talking with you all the best for your business and thanks for giving us such inspiration to uh, quit our jobs and do our own thing <laughs> thank you so much Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast.